Alexis hopefully joining us soon. So when he gets through, we'll get started. Oh, hi, James. Great. Nice to... Don't know what was going on. A I gremlin know, I was the pressing the bring on camera button and I was waving at you. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we made it. We're getting at the grips of this technology. So thank you for joining me for tonight. No problem. And I think this is a really pertinent topic to have at this time of the year in the midst of exams, but also useful for people different other times in their lives as well, if they have to do presentations or have deadlines or even doing interview techniques. They can use a lot of the principles, can't they, James? Well, certainly. Um, I've got a lot of clients at the minute, Judith. Um, they're all primarily uh, accountants or accountancy students. That's who I focus in on. But, yeah, they've all got very, very common problems. And a lot of it, Judith, is down to the fact that I think the stats hold up the fact that most people who are struggling with exams or have got exam stress actually know the content. They know the stuff. But there's the other things that come into it, whether it be the stress, whether it be poor time management, whether it be what I call it. Okay. Other stuff that comes in that sort of impacts, impacts performance or such. Okay, so yeah, so a lot of it can be people know what they want to say, but sometimes they actually get that physical kind of mental response, don't they? Where they actually might want to freeze oh, or they want to actually run out of the room or they might even get that dry mouth or that feeling of feeling blank. So let's do some introductions, first of all, because some people might not know who I am. Um, if you've invited them along, or some people might not be familiar with you. So first of all, yeah. I am Judith Ward, and I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and anxiety expert. And my mission really is I want to try and get the message out there to as many people as possible all across the world is that if you are struggling with stress or you're struggling with anxiety, we you know there are ways that we can move forward and stop it from holding you back from reaching your dreams as to what you want in your life. So that's my yeah. mission. And I practice solution-focused hypnotherapy. So I want to kind of get the message out there about how that can be really useful in coming, up, coming down your brain. And that's one subject we want to focus on today was exams, because people might need those exams to get them to have that dream job or whatever it is that they want to yeah. be able to move forward within their life. So James, um, I'll introduce you and then we'll, then we'll start some questioning. So James is, um, I've known James now for two years, is that right? Would it be about two, two and a half years? years yeah. Two and a half years, why time, time flies by really quickly. Oh, yeah. And James is um, an exam coach. Um, he comes from his expertise area of accountancy, but it, you know, it can also be used in lots of different other vocations yeah. too. Um, you've got quite a unique business, haven't you? There was no one else kind of doing this sort of area. I think I, think I know the term exam coach, to be honest. I've never heard of anyone else. So especially in accountancy, there, I don't think there is anybody else on the planet. So yeah, I'm unique in that respect. Absolutely. And that can be a really, really stressful subject. You know, I've had people come to me in the past, um, before I knew you, who, were, who, did a, who did accountancy, and they were finding all these exams really stressful. So you do that. Um, you also do a few other things as well. You've written a book, I know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's is that on available on Amazon? I, it is on Amazon, but I don't know where on Amazon. I'm a wee bit of a tech. Uh, don't really know technology that well. It's there somewhere. It's there somewhere. Um, it's there somewhere, but I have that's one thing on the on the very extensive must do list that I have to get sorted. Okay, well, when you find it, you can put it down afterwards as a comment if people want to get hold of your book. And you've also you also do some other sort of work, don't you? You you act as a consultant. And um, you've done lots of different work in schools in terms of emotional well-being. Yeah. And you also have done some work with Enterprise NI as well. Young, young Enterprise NI. I yeah. also am actually promoting, promoting entrepreneurship in schools. I work for an organization based in Dempatrick called All Lives Are Precious. And they sort of promote emotional well-being in schools, which I'm very passionate about. And then also I am a business coach as well. So small startups, small SMEs that that I sort of help them, hold them accountable in terms of getting their name out there, whether it be on social media, whether it be trying to draw up a business plan, whatever that may be. And um, if they don't know where they're going, I will certainly help to steer them in the right direction as well. So lots of stuff. Okay, fantastic. So and also, um, in your personal life, you're a carer as well. You look after your dad. Yes, been, been yes. Big mentors in life. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a carer twice in my life, believe it or not, from both my mother and my father. Uh, my mum, unfortunately, was very ill for very, very many years. And my father and I looked after her um, at home here. Uh, unfortunately, she was in a coma for the last 14 years of her life. So, and then my dad in the last... 12 months for someone being so healthy has unfortunately has went downhill slightly but got a hip replacement um Freddie week ago so he's that's one bit that has sorted him out so I'm caring for him yeah and he's he's a good patient to look after he's a good man to look after he sounds like a really fun interesting character because I've heard all the stories about him I feel like I know yeah. him even though I've never met him before yeah if you've ever met a guy who is one of those old school guys that knows something about everything, or a little bit about everything, that's my dad. Brilliant, okay. Brilliant so, first, Brilliant. so first tell us, you know, how, how did you get into the exam coaching? So tell us a little bit uh, about that. How did I get into it? It was actually, Judith, it was a hobby. Um, oh, someone came up and asked me, to, could, they help, could I help them through one of their accountancy exams, and I went, yes, okay. And what I what I found out, Judith, was I didn't teach them, or I didn't lecture them the content. They knew the stuff, but their exam technique was poor. Their study technique, they didn't know how to learn for them. And the big thing was that exam stress, they didn't know how to manage their anxiety. And I coached them through it. So I suppose I prompted them. I talked to them about different tactics to use, um, all through my own experience throughout the BA-level uni and, and my professional accountancy exams that i done i just picked some of that stuff up so i'd done that um but even previous to that to be honest i trained i i trained with a firm called grant thornton and um, one of the sort of biggest accountancy firms in the world and i was i was seconded to their national training center actually so i did enjoy the whole training and, and the whole sort of teaching aspect of it um so done that previously i taught in, in queens and i taught in jordanstown accountancy and I actually have my own lecturing business as well 
but the coaching is the big thing for me. So I actually find that my coaching sessions, so essentially what happened was that one person, um, I enjoyed that. I woke up one morning about three years ago and went, why did I not make this into a business? Was a slit was a hobby, but then over the last three years, I've had had eighty clients, over eighty clients from around the world, whether it be Jamaica, New Zealand, Cyprus, Bulgaria. So that hobby has now turned into a business. Um, and now that I've got a t- the time off caring for my dad, I can actually now concentrate on making this a really, really good business, and it's just taken off. Um, and I think it's I think it's something that's badly needed. So people can go to the learn if people are doing exams, they're going to go to school, they're going to go to college or they're going to go to their professional their learning provider if they're doing professional exams and get taught the content but there's no one out there that i've heard of apart from me who will talk to them about the process of implementing that content to the on the big day yes i mean i've had some people come to me with exam stress as well and you know people who are at school or people who you know are doing like professional exams and yes it can just be just down to that emotional response in the brain so let's understand a little bit more about what's going on in our heads and why we get that stress response well we know that when we're stressed the amygdala gets fired up and the amygdala is responsible for that fight or flight response and that creates like all the adrenaline and all the cortisol and all the stress hormones to fire up around our bodies and it's a bit like you know it's quite useful in some situations isn't it like, you know, going back to our prehistoric man when we were the caveman and maybe you were out for the day and maybe one of your fellow cavemen finds, um, sees some wolves, a pack of wolves near you. So one of them, your, your fellow caveman's a little bit of a cheeky character. So he gets a stone yep. and throws it into the pack. They turn around and look at you. And in that moment, your amygdala is going crazy, your heart's beating, your stomach is doing somersaults, your pancreas is, go- is firing up to give you a sugar rush to get you to run away. But thank goodness, the wolves decide that you're not that interesting. They've had their feed earlier and they go off, yeah. scuttle away, and you can go back to your cave. That's really useful to have that stress response in that situation, but not so good if you've got an exam or a deadline or an email or anything that comes through the the door. So what might be the signs that you are suffering from exam stress? Well, one thing that I see Judith massively is is self-doubt. And maybe it is coming from that defensive part of the mind that you're talking about. The whole caveman response, as you say, there's a wolf coming at you or a tiger coming at you, or a lion coming at you going, okay, I don't want to do this exam, or I can't do this exam. Um, you know, that's really where the self-doubt comes in and tries to self-sabotage you. So essentially, try and talk you out of actually even doing the exam. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've had a number of, of clients who've done that. Um, one in particular who was doing his finals for Charter Accounts Ireland. Um, he had failed the year before. And he was doing the repeat the following year. And he very simply rung me up on the Friday evening. His first exam was the following Tuesday. He rung me up on the Friday evening and said, I'm not doing these exams. I'm not doing them. Why? Because he was so strung up, so full of anxiety. And his mind, essentially, in my opinion, had told him lies in that to try to trick him because he didn't actually 
the main, his mind didn't want to put him in the position of failure again. Exactly. So the amygdala is really good at propaganda. Right. It says, let's avoid oh, this situation. It's safer than, you know, even tackling it because that fear and that all the stories going on in our head can be going yeah. over and over and over. And people yeah. might be getting other stresses, mightn't they? They might be getting, if they're at school, pressure from parents. Maybe they've got an older brother or an older sister who always got straight A's and they feel like they have to get up to their level. I've seen that as well. Yeah, so there can be lots of pressure or even change going on in that person's life. It might be maybe they've got parents who've split up or maybe they've been yeah. um, a loss of a family member. Or, you know, I know whenever I was doing my 11 plus, which is now the AQE, the transfer test to the yes. secondary school. Yes. I remember both my, my grandmothers died around the same time. So, you know, I was kind of, you know, my brain was trying to process all of that as well as having to do these exams. So a lot of stuff can, you know, change can be another stressor for people mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah. And it can cause physical effects in the body too, can't it? It's funny just going back to the what's now the AQE. Um, one thing that maybe will trigger exam stress and exam underperformance, um, Judith, is the fact that the people don't know why they're doing it. They don't know why. And one of my whys was the fact that I did feel my 11 plus. I got the lowest grade. And I was told by unceremonially by my headmaster that I wasn't particularly intelligent, where I knew I was. Um, and that was a huge motivator for me. So in terms of, of cutting through the stress, even whenever I was stressed, for some reason I was able to refocus and actually go, what am I doing this? Um, the other reason was because of a mum and, and the situation I had with her uh, and I wanted to make her proud no matter what I'd done in my life. So that's maybe another thing I would say to anybody watching this, that they're really ultra stressed and they're, they can't see the wood for the trees is it try and work out why you're actually doing these exams, whether it be for career, whether it be for job status, whether it be for the money, whether it be for to prove it to yourself. If you can gain clarity on why you're doing this, it will actually make things slightly easier. Because, and I see this time and time again, Judith, um, with my accountancy clients, if you can reframe what exams actually are, so see them as a challenge and see them as growth, rather than this absolute obstacle that you have to jump over that you believe you can't do. If you can see it, it's onto a better thing and there is light at the end of the tunnel, it does make it easier. Yeah, good advice. Definitely does. So let, let's cut to the chase here. I mean, I know people who will be watching this will be wanting, well, okay, you know, I'm stressed right now. What can I do to, um, what advice can you give to someone who's going through exams at the minute? What practical advice could you give them? What, what tends to happen is, um, Judith, and you, you'll see this time and time again with your own clients, is once the emotion comes in, the logic goes away. So what tends to happen that I have seen, that the stuff that people do to wind down and to relax, whenever exam, exams come, they don't do it. They don't do that stuff. Give you a prime example. I had a guy who... Um, last year he'd done one of his exams and he was uh, an inter-county Gaelic footballer with Armagh so quite a high performance athlete and once his exams kicked in he did not do any any training at all for months and then he failed his exams uh, and you know 
I asked him, why did you stop training? You love it. It is your getaway. It's your, it's your de-stressor. And he went, yeah, I know that. But I was so caught up in the exam pressure. So the first thing I would, I would suggest is the gym or exercise or whatever that may be, with them maybe be walking um, to try and relax or that social aspect. If you need, want to go out and socialize, that's fine. You know, don't let guilt trick you. Because if that's a de-stressor for you, it'll actually do you more benefit than, 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 than not. Um, so that's definitely one thing, is to do something you enjoy or exercise, that type of thing. The other thing that I have taken on that's transformed me is meditation. Um, I don't know if you see that in terms of your hypnotherapy or, or whatever, those the audios that you would maybe give people or that sort of stuff. You know, that to me is very relaxing. Yes, it's finding what works for you. Um, you know, whether it's meditation or some people like to call it mindfulness or whether it's listening to um, hypnotherapy recording, which is normally like a guided visual relaxation. Whatever works for you to take away that stress. I mean, whether it's some people like to do the colorful coloring um it can be, yes, and as James has suggested, going for walks, actually getting out into the fresh air. These are all really key. Whenever I see people, we talk about, we call them the three Ps that you need to have. We call this the positive interaction. So it's really important you don't withdraw from people. You spend time with people that make you feel good, particularly coming up to exams. You don't want to be talking to all the stressed out people in your class that make you feel even worse. Um, positive action, as you said, whether it is going to the gym, going for a swim, going to that Zumba class, even just going into your garden and breathing, yeah. it can all really help. And the last one is positive thought, because we know what we think. Our brain goes down that train of thought and it fires up all the neurons, it fires up the synapses. And then before we know it, we're, we're on that tunnel of, of where cortisol and noradrenaline are all being pumped around our body. So it's really, really important, as you say, James, to make sure we have breaks and we do have that balance. Completely. Um, it's like I love some of the sayings from the Buddha and what was what, was, um, what we think we become. Yeah. And you know, as going back to my first session that I have with, with my clients is a motivation and mindset and anxiety session. And really what that is, is to emphasize the, the power of the mind the first one of the first questions, Judith, I ask my clients, and these are accountants, by the way, and you know, every one of them just don't recognize this. As I go, what's the most important thing in your life? And they'll go, family, friends, parents. And I go, well, is it not your mind? Because without your mind, you can help, you can't comprehend anything else. And they they take a bit of a look and they go, okay, I now understand where you go, where you're going with this. Um, and really is exactly what you're saying. That thought, those thoughts, if you are filling yourself with self-doubt and negativity about your performance and what you believe the impending doom that's going to come with these exams, you're, you're lessening your chances massively for success. So one thing I do suggest, and it'd be great to see your opinion on this one, is positive affirmations and, and that self-talk. Yeah, because we will get all that negative self-talk coming into our head. Sometimes we can't stop it happening. And if we start saying to ourselves, yeah, I can do this, or I believe in myself, or whatever resonates with you, yes, it does send a message to our body. Because our brain, 
really can't tell the difference between what we're thinking and what we're believing, you know. So if we're telling ourselves we're not going to pass this exam, we're going to fail, I'm a failure, I can't do this, our brain goes, okay, I'm going to give you that stress response. So I think positive affirmations can be helpful. They can, there's definitely that connection between them, but pick something that resonates with you, what means to you. It can be as simple or elaborate as what you think you, you want it to be. Yeah. You know, even suggestions that I make to my client, you know, I can pass exams easily or I have got good study habits, even that sort of stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people have said to me, that's, that's really, really good. Um, another practical thing in the lead up to exams, and I am sometimes astounded that people do not do this, is to have an appropriate study plan in place. Because if you have an appropriate study plan in place and you can stick to it, I will guarantee that that will reduce your stress levels. Yeah. It's being methodical. It's being um, structured. And it's, it's having that plan or that strategy in place to go, okay, I can, I can give this a shot to my best of my ability. A lot of exam stresses that I see, Judith, is because people are not organized. Yes, yeah, so the and brain feels totally overwhelmed, doesn't it? It goes, I've got so much information good. and they don't know what to do. But having a, a structure, schedule... Without a doubt. Because then the brain oh, goes, I don't need to think about it anymore. I've dealt with that. And also it's another because, thing. I, sorry, you go first. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's maybe because I'm an accountant and I am quite logical. I do think like that. I do have a plan for nearly everything that goes on. Um, and I have to think step by step by step. So, you know, I was with a group last week. In, And I'm with him again tomorrow morning. And I, I, I asked for, for a show of hands who's a study plan. And only half the group put their hands up, which I, which I was astounded by. But a tip a tips for anybody out there is that if you're going to have a study plan, to do your studies in 90-minute blocks. People will tend to do three to four hours as a continuous block. And by that stage, you're frazzled. Your brain so can't you can focus, do, yeah. If you can do a 90-minute block, then a 15-minute break, well, it'll be a cup of tea, walk, TV, whatever that may be, then back to another 90 minutes. That, and if you have that in the structure, that certainly lessens the the, the, the stressfulness or the load that you have that you're carrying about. That's definitely another thing that I see. And it would be good to have a break away from that room that you're studying. Completely. Just your brain what- has that distraction, doesn't it? What what else? Other things I would suggest is change up your stuff where you where you actually study. You know, just for to actually give yourself a break. Yeah, I'm I live about 10, 15 miles away from Newcastle, and I used to hop in the car, take some notes with me, and drive to the beach. And just that change of environment used to work wonders. You know. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be confined to the same room twenty four seven. You don't have to, you know, have be stressed out 24-7. If you need something to go and change the environment and, and to change the way you're thinking, to change your state, perhaps, hey, it's worth it. That's all good advice. And what about, you know, some people like to hear things, you know, recording mm. stuff and then going for a walk and listening to what, what's being recorded. That can also, would you advise that sometimes can help? Yeah, I, I tell people, that you, well, YouTube's full of stuff in terms of whichever particular subject you're studying. Things are pausing here. 
yeah. um, things. Um, you can go to YouTube, download whichever topics or, or things there are. Get Use a, a YouTube to MP3 downloader. Um, and just put it on your phone. And wherever you go, whether you can be in the gym, whether you're going for a walk to, to de-stress, you can be listening to something that may be worthwhile in terms of, of your exams. Another crazy hint that I tell my students is record yourself. Mm, yes. Read, read, read your notes out in your own voice and then listen to it on the phone. Um, may, it may work. That's also really handy for presentations because I know a lot of people now as part of their assessments, they have to do presentations. What kind of advice yeah. would you give to someone who has to do like an oral exam or a presentation? Well, certainly if it's presentations, um, this seems really cliched. Practice, practice, practice. You know, nothing else will, will, will beat that practice. But the other thing, Um, if you're learning off your talk or your presentation, wherever that may be, is to look at it visually or look at the, 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 head, the headline key titles visually, um, whether that be creating a story or, or, a, or a, a narrative in your mind. And that hopefully will lead on to you remembering the key aspects because you're not going to remember absolutely every word of presentation. Mm. Um, that's I'm doing any public speaking I I practice 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 I know roughly what I'm going to say but I make sure I know the key headline points and I have got that like a story in my mind and then that leads on to the detail because if you can talk then from you don't need to say things word for word because it, it, it's probably it's like a rehearsed script and sometimes the presentations you need to be more natural Yes, and having like little stories and being able to bring in and draw those stories. So if someone asks you a question, you can grab that story or that story. Completely. The other thing I would say for presentations, and especially if you're doing it to a panel, is that of eye contact. Um, and also, you know, unlock your body as well. So what people tend to do is they freeze and that their eyes are staring into one spot in the room actually become freer because that'll de-stress you because your body doesn't want to be locked. You know, so the more you can move, the more natural you can be and the more comfortable that you can then be with that. Um, the other thing, the other weak key point just for any oral exams or any um, presentations is to use pauses effectively. And what I mean by that is that not only does it add a bit of emphasis to what you're saying, but it actually gives you a couple of seconds to, to regroup in your own mind. And what people tend to people tend to forget is that if you actually forget something, the, the, the panel that you're talking to aren't going to realise that. So there's no point stressing about it. So um, pauses so yeah. can be powerful. Pauses are fantastic. Rather than just kind of blah, 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 trying to get all your words out, just pausing and then just allowing your listener to have some time to absorb what you're trying to say. And you, know, you, you mentioned about like, relaxing your body as well beforehand. Another tip, you know, if you're in a waiting room waiting to go in and you're seeing everybody else and you're feeling a little bit on edge, you know, practice your breathing as well can also help shift yourself. Yeah. 
because in the brain there's two different nervous systems one which is the stress response the sympathetic nervous system and then the other one is the rest and digest one isn't it the parasympathetic nervous one so what one tip i like to say to people is to change your breathing nice and slow we can even breathe in for five mm-hmm. and then you breathe out for the count of seven so your outer breath is longer you can even do th- in three in breaths and five out breaths but what that does is it sends a different message to your body and to your brain to say i'm okay i'm not i'm i'm calm here so that's another thing you can do beforehand so what would be a big no-no james in terms of exam preparation what would be the one of the big no-nos for you the the biggest no-no is leaving too late and that's what people tend to do um, the other thing that people tend to do, Judith, and it's a classic, I would normally call it procrastination technique, but I don't particularly like the word procrastination. I simply think procrastination means you're not making it a priority. Right. So the classic technique of not making something a priority, especially in exams, is doing the easy stuff time after time after time and leaving the hard stuff to the very, very end. And that's it's way, way too late. And why is that? Because again, the mind wants someone's comfort. And okay, we know how to do, we know how to do A, B, C. So let's go and do it again and have a wee comfort blanket over us. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll kick the hard stuff down the road until about a week out or three days out from the exam. And by that stage, it's way too late. So sometimes um, to get in there and tackle the tough stuff. I would say the tough, tough stuff has to be the stuff you have to do first. So look at your syllabus. Highlight those things that you do not like at all, and that's what you have to do up front. Okay. And that's what you have to that's what you have to schedule into your study plan up front. Um, the other thing that I, I is a no-no is that people tend to do past paper questions and past paper exams far, far too late. They'll tend to do maybe one or two, one or two days before an exam. In my opinion, and I tell my accounting students this, they need to be doing past paper questions at least four weeks before any exam, which means they need to cover the content four weeks before that. So it's a two-month, probably I would even say a three-month study plan before they get to exam day, and that's only for one exam. So, yeah, certainly procrastinating on, on, on subjects, leaving it too late, are not not doing enough exam style questions or massive areas that I that I, I see are, are, are no nos. Okay, so a few parents have contacted me over the last okay. few days saying you know they were interested in hearing um, what you had to say, and they were saying, what kind of advice could you give a parent for a child who's going for exams, whether they're at school or university? What things could they do to help make the exam period? easier for them well one thing i would definitely say to any parent is to ensure you talk to your child and be incredibly honest and open with them because i know as a young as a young guy i wouldn't have told anybody any anxieties that i had like i would have kept it bottled up so whether you know a parent can organize whether it be someone's friend to come around to the house or a peer to come around to the the child's house and they can they can talk it out or to have someone else that can come around and actually, that is if the child doesn't want to talk directly to the parent, but just ensure that the child or the student has got a sounding board 
that they can actually voice their concerns. Um, the other thing that I would suggest is that that a parent should actually maybe, and this is maybe the harder aspect, actually hold their, their, the student accountable for for maybe drawing up a study plan and ensuring that they're doing the study. But then the other end of it is that maybe there could be a reward at the end, not only of, of the exam period, but maybe at the end of a study session or at the end of a week. So the student has done a really, really good solids week study that can be a good reward at the end of it. Um, there'd be a couple of things I would say to parents. Also, the last thing I would say to a parent, is like something I mentioned before, ensure you're reminding your, your, your child of why they're doing it. To have that better life, to get a really good education, um, to maybe have you know a good career uh, prospects and maybe if they do want to travel at some stage or whatever that may be, um, having those exams and that education will stand them in really, really good stead. So it's just acting that as a reminder, especially whenever the students are finding it really, really tough that there is a purpose to these things. Okay, that's all really good advice. Um, and also sometimes I've noticed, you know, whenever I've gone through exams, your eating and your sleeping habits go out the window. You tend to eat, you know, you're craving all this sugary food and, you know, you're living on biscuits and cups of tea and maybe you're staying up late. What kind of advice could you give for someone about the importance of, you know, eating and healthy sleeping yeah. habits? Especially with sleep, that's a big one. Um, I have a new client that I brought on board a couple of weeks ago and she probably embodied every single bad habit that you could have. And she was saying, James, I'm struggling with, the, with these exams. And I'm going, well, okay, there's no wonder because you have adopted these bad habits. And to be fair, she held up her hands and admitted it all. But she admitted that she only survives on four hours sleep a night. And I was just going, how can you give sort of high performance um, and an exam day? So the thing in terms of that was I did suggest meditation in that respect to try and really, really calm her down because I think she was really worked up. And then, um, well, we can maybe talk about your, your suggestions in terms of sleep, but I did say to her to perhaps go to a doctor or maybe use herbal tea or maybe go for a walk late at night and maybe have a bit of exhaustion in that respect to maybe help her go to sleep a bit more because it's so, so important. Absolutely, yeah. If we don't sleep, we, we can't function as well. Then all the negative thoughts come in. And you know the difference when you've had a good night's sleep. You just feel like, you know, the, it's, the, the day's challenges aren't so difficult. You feel you can get back in control. So th some of the things you've suggested are great, like your meditation, going for a walk, chamomile tea, having a routine, you know, when you're going to yeah. bed at night time, going to bed at the same time, then your, bra your brain kind of starts to associate that. You could listen to a hypnotherapy recording or some sort of relaxing music. Get Do something that your brain sees as a treat, like as a relaxation. And, you know, if, if you are in bed, you know, not sitting scrolling through the internet, that's going to cause your yeah. brain to waken up with the blue light. Yeah. You want to have a little bit of downtime. So your brain kind of goes, right, it's time to go to bed. Because the brain has to do a really tough job at night time, particularly during exam time. It's taking in all this information and it has to process it all. And that can lead to you waking up during the night if you're not 
getting enough of the good REM sleep. So finding a way, you know, sleep can be, you can view it just as important as that extra half an hour of study. It really is, you know, you need to have that balance to be able to function well. One, one tip just connected to sleep, Judith, that I tell my, my students is that for any information that they had learned during the day um, or in the evening is to recap that in summary form 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Now, I'm not a specialist in this, but I did read that, but that throughout the night you don't learn any new information, but you can't consolidate what you have looked at throughout the day for um subconsciously and i suppose the proof is in the pudding because you know how many times do you try and do something in the night time and you can't do it and you wake up in the morning and you know the answer to it you know and i suggest that to to my accountancy students if you've got summary notes and i'll say this to anybody doing an exam now if you've got summary notes you know recap those in bed 20 minutes before you're going to go to sleep and if that can help you take in another one, two, three, four, five percent, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like you get those light bulb moments when you remember stuff. Whenever you're out for a walk or you're in the shower or you're, you know, making your breakfast, you're like, oh, it's, I remember it now. So you need some time away to recharge your battery so you can focus better. I done A-level maths and I loved maths whenever I was younger. And the number of times, Judith, that I was given an, account, uh, an equation and I could not do it that night. But invariably, as you say, I was in the shower or I was getting ready to, to go to college and it just popped up into my mind. The answer mm. did. And I have no doubt that something was going on subconsciously whenever I was sleeping. Yes, yeah, so your brain trying, is working and processing everything. Turning over something. So um, let's get to the actual nitty-gritty of exam day. What advice would yeah. you give to someone on exam day to help them? Well, believe it or not, I talked to them about the night before, first of all. So it is those things we've mentioned. So do not go up to your one and two o'clock in the morning studying. Have a cutoff. Well, that'll be 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night. Have that cutoff. Then go and do something you enjoy, whether it be go to the gym, go to the cinema, whatever that is to really make you relax. Have the good night's sleep. The next morning, get up and have your breakfast. The amount of people who will not have breakfast before they go and do an exam and you know their stomach is rumbling throughout the exam and it's, a, it's another distraction you don't need. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I see is I see people, and I've seen this whenever I've done exams myself, was that people will tend to arrive at an exam hall or school or whatever that may be to do an exam two hours beforehand and they start to study. And I do think that's really, you know, gearing them up for panic and gearing them up for, for stress to build up again. Because if you see something that you're not 100% sure of, it'll trigger your mind to think of all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So I would tend to say that if you need to, to look at something for some sort of comfort, do it for 30 minutes before you leave home. And then close the and books and just focus on relaxation and getting there and feeling good. You know, even if you, you know, do some stretching exercises, just getting your, your body and your mind ready and focused. I would say then ideally, if you want to arrive at school or an exam hall or whatever, do that 45 minutes before the exam 
and then go for a walk for 30 minutes beforehand. Okay, great tips. What about someone who's um, maybe done an exam and they think it's gone really badly and then they've got some more exams going on later in the week and they just feel totally deflated and they're like, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. What advice would you give to someone who knows or feels they've gone done a really bad job? So the first thing I would say, actually, the minute you walk out the exam hall, I would say to people, do not go and talk to your friends. Just go home. Because a post-mortem does you no good whatsoever on the exam. So that's the first thing I would say. The other thing, if there was two scenarios. So for example, if someone has got an exam today and one tomorrow, I would go home and spend one to two hours sort of recapping key points. No more than that. If you have an exam today and you've got another exam in two or three days, I would take the rest of today off and then refocus in the morning and, and then stick to your study plan. But the thing, just try then to answer your question in particular, is that every exam is in isolation. You know, every exam is on its own merits. So whatever performance you've got in one exam doesn't mean you're going to perform badly in the next one. Again, it's going back to the self-talk. If you're going to self-prophesize that you're going to you're going to have another bad performance, you probably will. You know, so it's actually in understanding that you take those exams or you understand that they are in isolation of each other. Um, and just to apply the good techniques that we've been talking about now um, in this session and apply it to the next exam. Okay, brilliant. So just, just um to recap on that, you would just say, okay, that was just a, that one day. So next time I'm going to do things differently and I'm going to make sure I'm relaxed before. I'm going to make sure I recharge my batteries for the rest of the day. Do something I enjoy. Because when we do something we enjoy, then we get like the more of the good the chemicals, the serotonin. And that actually makes us more resilient for when we have to do the next exam as well. So kind of taking some time out and refocusing and then putting your new energy towards that other exam. And not being frightened that, you know, it's just one incident. Next opportunity, we can do better. One thing I would say to people, especially if you're maybe one month, six weeks or two two months out from an exam now, is that, and I'm just going to go back to the study plan piece, if you have got a good study plan, and one thing I would say, and I would say this a bit to the ladies sometimes as well, just as a bit of a laugh, ladies love making their study plans the most greatest works of art you've ever seen, right? Colour-coded, flowers drawn on it, all that sort of stuff. But I say, I don't care, as long as you stick to it. That is the big thing. And if you stick to your study plan, that mitigates what you're talking about, that frightened feeling. Yeah, so that's think what it's I... creative if it works for you. Um, it's also Maybe. quite, what you can do is, I mean, we're studying, putting in a lot of study time, schedule in some time for you, whether it is, okay, tonight, you know, if, if it's one of the ladies, I'm going to schedule in a nice bath, or maybe I'm going to, you know, give myself a nice kind of like, you know, hand massage, or maybe I'm going to put some cream on. It's kind of like scheduling in some time for you. So you've got something to look forward to. And then your brain says, oh, yeah, that's time for me to soothe. But what I would, and this is where I challenge, and sometimes I play devil's advocate for my clients, and this is what they like. I hold them accountable. 
that they have to be open and honest with themselves, that it's quality study. So what do I mean by that? Some people will tend to look into a book in a glazed manner and believe they're studying. They're not. If you can do 90 minutes of quality study where you get that question done or you learn from it, then go and give yourself that reward. Absolutely, but, yeah. Or even just saying, you know, do these things at eight o'clock after you've finished your study time. But also, you know, having lots of distractions in the background. The brain is not really very good at multitasking. I know you might want to like do lots of different things, but just focus and set that alarm even on your phone for that period of time. And then well, you know what I would say, that break. The thing that we're on now, the phone, I say switch it off and give it to your mother, give it to your husband, give it to your best friend, whoever, for the study period. Just get a phone out of the, out of the way. Or completely. put it on flight mode so no one can contact you. I would, say, I would say that's not even in the same room as you. It is, you it is the biggest distraction, isn't it? So get it out of the way. Completely. It's, it's one of the biggest distractions, undoubtedly. If, I, would, I, I would just say, thankfully, there was no smartphones in where I was studying. That would have distracted me massively. Yeah, or just getting on the internet, looking on YouTube. All these different things are there for us. Well, James, thank you so much for your time tonight. I know this is going to help a lot of people, a lot of parents. We're going to share this in different places. And if you're watching and you know anyone who is going for exams or maybe you know a parent whose child is struggling, please, please share it with them. We want as many people as possible to get this information. And if anybody wants to get any more help, from James, how can they get in touch with you? Best way is through either Facebook, which is James Perry Exam Coaching. It's my Facebook page or LinkedIn as well. Um, or you look up the website, jamesperryexamcoaching.com. Okay, brilliant. Uh, there's various so, so thank you. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can um, Put, um, you can contact me via on my Facebook page or you can go to my website, which is judithwardhypnotherapy.co.uk. I'm also on LinkedIn too. So um, really, thank you. If you have been listening tonight, thank you for your time. And please share this with anybody you think it will be helpful. And thank you so much again, James, for your thank expertise you, tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Take thank care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.